am so grateful that we are a Foursquare church and that we have our eyes on the world because we know that that's where God's heart is because there are billions of people who are yet to hear the name of Jesus and to receive something of his love and his care. And uh, I believe that we have a slide up there that just has the, the address for our giving page, sm4.org slash giving. Um, you know, there's different ways that you can give. You can, we have little giving boxes on your way out. We don't stop services and like pass the plate anymore. If you have a gift, you can always drop it in one of our giving boxes. A lot of people have transitioned to now giving online. But when you go to our website, sm4.org slash giving, what you're going to find is that you, there's different things that you can give to. Of course, you can just give regular just tithes and offerings right here to our church that helps us to extend the mission of, our, uh, of, of God right here in our community. But as you kind of scroll down that giving page, you see the Audiolas, Joel and Veronica and their kids who serve from our church in southern Mexico. Kelly and I got to be with Pastor Joel this week and got to just bless him and encourage him in what God is doing in southern Mexico. That's something that's really special from our church. You, you see the Audiolas picture in our lobby. I, I encourage you to, to get to know their story more and how you can be involved with them. But it's more than just southern Mexico. It's the whole world. And when you scroll down that page, you find that one of the ways that you can give is to Foursquare Missions. When you do that, and we do have people from our church who regularly say, hey, part of my giving, I want to go to the whole globe. I want to encourage you to think about that. And one of the ways that your money is utilized when you give to Foursquare Missions, and 100% of it, every penny, goes to serve around the world. But some of it is going to serve North Africa, the Middle East, and Central Asia. And we have some special guests with us today who are going to be sharing. And I want you to give it up for Charlie and Darla. Darla, would you stand? And Charlie, would you join me? <laughs> Charlie and I were students uh, down in Southern California growing up, and we were part of the same youth group. Mm. I'm in Van Nuys, California, at a pretty big four-score church there. And, but we were just like two kids hanging out, playing football at the park and, and just enjoying life together. And God happened to, uh, well, kind of grab our hearts um, Amen. around similar time mm. and about serving Jesus with our lives. And God kept me here in the United States. God took Charlie and his wonderful wife, Darla, and uh, took them to the world. And I happened to uh, kind of get to be involved in those early years with you guys because they went 25 years ago mm -hmm. to the Dominican Republic. And there was not one four-score church in all the Dominican Republic when they went there 25 years ago. And, uh, but when they wrapped up their service in the Dominican Republic, how many four-score churches were there? Uh, six or four Dominican and two Haitian-speaking churches. Is that awesome? And so that, they were able to leave because that, that whole church movement in the Dominican Republic became fully nationalized, meaning there's no more Americans there, like, running the four-square churches in the Dominican Republic. It's all Dominicans. That's right. Which is the goal, right? To, to help empower others and help them become leaders in their own um, local environment. So then you guys, uh, in 2019, transitioned from the DR to 
living in Spain as the base, but to supervise the work in North Africa. In North Africa. What is, like, why North Africa and the Middle East? What's going on there that would need Foursquare's attention? So the North Africa and then Middle East, and then if you go further east, Central Asia, that is the Muslim-majority world. Yeah. Very few believers there. Yeah. So that's one of the new, newest thrusts of Foursquare. And what we also believe is the final task before the Lord comes. That's like a stronghold of darkness. Get some light in there, and then Jesus will be able to see where he's going when he picks us up. There we go. I love it. I love it. And here's what I want to let you know. If you give through our website, just give to Foursquare Missions, or if you like to give cash or checks, and you write on that giving envelope or write on the check that I want a portion of this to go to Foursquare Missions, here's what I, I want you to know. Every single month, we as a church support Charlie and Darla and their work in that region. You are helping as you give to Foursquare Missions. You are, you are able to support the work and, and help to reach Muslim populations for Jesus. Amen. And I'm so grateful. And you're going to be talking to us a little bit about what that looks like, both globally and also in our own lives locally, about sharing Jesus. So, Charlie, I'm so glad you're here. I'm Grateful for you, my friend. Bring it, bring it. <laughs> so Tim and I, uh, Tim was in my wedding. Uh, he got married before I did, but in 1993, my beautiful wife, Darla, was added uh, to our mission team. They keep the best preachers for the United States, and the rest they send overseas. So if you think you're not qualified, maybe even this morning, uh, God will be calling you to go overseas anywhere. Even to join uh, Joel and, and Veronica. Who knows where the Lord might lead each one of us. But whenever I get the opportunity to speak in a church, uh, as Pastor was saying, there's only one mission. There's only one. Now, it's worldwide, but there's only one. So God's heart isn't in favor of Santa Maria over North Africa. He wants everyone in his kingdom. Which means that since we're in North Africa, we really can't help the people here. That's going to be your job. So whenever I speak about our mission, our call, God wants you to do your work here and us to do our work there. Unless the Lord calls you to come over. We are glad to receive you. We need a lot of people. It used to be back in the day that the biggest part of the unreached world, they called the 1040 window. It was uh, 10 degrees above the equator to 40. You drew a little window over Africa, Middle East, and Asia. And that was like 90% uh, of the people that had never heard the gospel of Jesus Christ. So that was the tough area. But since it was a tough area, and it's illegal to preach, and it's illegal to convert, and it's illegal to do those kinds of activities, 3% of the working force went that way. And 97% said, 97 of overseas workers said, no, thank you. Well... We had worked in one of those countries, Dominican Republic, where the 97% were. And I was committed to sending Latinos uh, from Dominican Republic and other countries to work in North Africa. But then uh, the Lord said, send them. Yeah, you can send them, but you're also going. And so we were at a little transition point and uh, talking in our office uh, in Los Angeles. I said, yeah. He said, if you could do anything, that, anything, and there's no uh, restrictions after you finish your time in the Dominican Republic, what would you do? I said, well, I would recruit Latinos because that was my world. That's where I ministered all those years. And I would take them to North Africa. And my, eye, my wife's eyes got real big. What? <laughs> 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 
She had never heard that before, but God was working in our hearts. So before we talk about what we're doing there, I'd sure like to start uh, praying and then also uh, speaking from Colossians chapter 4, which will include all of you. It'll talk about both us and you. And um, Colossians chapter 4, we're going to start at verse 2, but let me pray. Heavenly Father, thank you that you've called each one of us to represent the light, to represent this God that wants to be our best friend, but a God that's all-powerful and at the same time, all-loving. We don't understand the difficulties and the trials that we each face, but we do know that you work together for good, for all those who love you and are called according to your purpose. And when this very short life of suffering and challenges ends, we'll be together with you in heaven for billions and billions of years. So, Lord, it does seem like there is a lot of brokenness. We've just gone through two years of difficulty and even more with COVID and other sicknesses that we face. But, Lord, the Apostle Paul says those are very brief and temporary sufferings. But, Lord, then the glory comes, being with you for eternity. So, Lord, we need to give this message of hope to the broken. And each one of us has our part. So thank you for choosing us. Thank you for saving us. Thank you for calling us. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, Colossians chapter 4, if you have your Bible, I want to start at verse 2 and talk about you and talk about us. The word says, devote yourselves to prayer, keeping alert. That was the first word I want us to keep our eyes on. On my day off in Spain, I play golf. Everyone should have a day off. The Lord said six days to work and one day off. For your family, your kids, church, believers, fun. Being, keeping alert. A lot of times I haven't been alert, and maybe you haven't. Being alert is what does a person in my workplace, my neighbor, my friend need, and how can I begin to show them that all their hope is in God? Now, we have to be alert, take advantage of every opportunity, but then you'll see later in this, uh, this text we need to be strategic. So the first thing is just keeping your eyes open. The way I do that on the way to the golf course, I say, uh, Jesus asked his disciples, who do you say that I am? And Peter said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And then he said, uh, Peter, where'd you learn about that? Because you didn't learn that from any person. Flesh or blood didn't reveal that to you, but my father in heaven. So when I'm on my, my way to the golf course among the Spaniards, who were very traditional Christians in the past, and almost are all not serving God now. I say, Father, do it again. Show the people that I get to play golf with that Jesus is the Christ, that means the king, the anointed one, the son of the living God. That means he can do everything. So, so begin to show that to their hearts. And that's my prayer. And he, and he does it. And then I, most of the people on the golf course, I play with many people, they all know that I'm a believer, and they all know that Jesus is my best friend. For them, it's a strange thing. But even pastors talking about, a lot of people don't know that God is not just a God of principles, of what we should do and what we shouldn't do. All those principles flow from a heart of a, of a God that loves us and wants to be our friend. He says, this is the best, pl the best pathway if you want a blessed life. And that are, those are the, the commands that are in the scripture. And then it says here, uh, keeping alert in it with an attitude of thanksgiving. So I say, thank you, Lord, that I get to share the good news you've already born in my heart. 
uh, praying at the same time for us as well. So the first part was about you. Everyone be alert. Everyone be ready to share your faith. And I'm going to tell you how to do that in a very simple and natural way. You'll see in a minute. But then the Apostle Paul says, but pray for us also. Those of us are, that are in uh, Playa del Carmen in Mexico and those of us who are in North Africa, pray for us as well because our work uh, needs prayer. God needs to open the eyes of people who know about God or have heard about God, but they have never really had a true encounter with the living God. And he certainly hasn't become a part of their personal life. So pray for us that God will open up to us a door to the word so that we may speak forth the mystery of Christ for which I have also been imprisoned that I may make it clear. And so today I just want to talk about us talking about God in a very clear way. It is a mystery. Mystery means something that was secret or not fully understand, understandable, but then God's revealing it in us. He's revealing it to us. So it's a mystery. We talk to people, we say, Jesus died on the cross and he rose again. So? An unbeliever would say, so? And then we explain the details of what it means that someone bought you, that someone paid the price for your heirs, and that's Jesus Christ. Amen? But we want to make that real clear because sometimes we'll sing, oh, the blood of Jesus, it washes me white as snow. And, and if you're telling this to an unbeliever, blood washes, I, I don't understand. Oh, well, thank you. Let me explain in further detail. <laughs> Whenever anyone asks you a question, it's like an open door. Tell them what you already learned and just tell them about the experience you've had. Just that simple. Sometimes we make it too complicated. Uh, I'm not a scholar. Scholars take simple truths and make them so complicated that no one can understand. And they teach in universities. I'm a teacher. I take complicated and I make it so clear that a four-year-old or a sixth grader can say, I understand. And I say, good, then I've done my job. It says... Um, Make it clear in a way that, uh, that God will make it clear in the way I ought to speak. The way I ought to speak because each audience needs a little bit of teaching according to the way they understand. So the Holy Spirit will guide you. I say this to my mom, delicately. I say this to my neighbor. I say this to my workmate. workmate. They're all different. And the Holy Spirit will guide you what to say in a very simple way. Then it says, now we have to live what we're telling them. Conduct yourselves with wisdom toward outsiders. So on the golf course, uh, they make a bad shot, and there's so many cuss words, you don't even want me to even tell you that there's so many cuss words. <laughs> then they complain about the people, they complain about this, but here it says that I should be conducting myself with wisdom. So when they're complaining, if I complain with them, that doesn't help. But if they complain and I take a different path, and I have a different attitude, and they say, you always seem to have a good attitude. Oh, really? Well, my good attitude really isn't because I'm someone great, but God helps me. I can throw God into every conversation. Sometimes they don't like it at the beginning, but then when they see who I am and who they want to be, uh, even a strong Catholic believer, my friend Paco, uh, he says, your, your, your faith is different than mine. And then he sees the way I play, the way I talk, and he says, and he goes to, to church every Sunday. And he says, but I'm not a good person. See, he knows what's going on in his heart. He knows that he has all the teaching, and he also knows that he's not living it, and he's not been born again. 
So little by little, I'm telling him what it is to have a friendship with God. Uh, at the beginning, since he's 70, 74 now, you're establishing your ways, and uh, you begin to tell someone that there's hope and that there's something else. Oh, no, no, no. They, uh, at the beginning, they resist, you know. Teaching an old dog like myself is not easy. <clears throat> but here it says, um, conduct yourself in a way with wisdom toward outsiders, making the most of every opportunity. <clears throat> Tim and I had a, uh, excuse me, <clears throat> a Bible college teacher. I don't know if he remembers. I think it was Dr. Hammond. And he says, go for the jugular right there. So. <laughs> take people as far as you can take them. For some people, it might just, might just be all you can do in that conversation, God loves you. And they're so hardened toward God, that's all you can say. If you try to keep on going, it's not the Holy Spirit, it's just you. <laughs> God says, you know, just say what I tell you to say, nothing more, nothing less. But others <clears throat> are ready. And sometimes we're too cautious, we're too quiet. And so the Spaniards now have been vaccinated against the gospel. They've heard the stories. They've heard the teaching. They've never been born again, the great majority. And so they're, yeah, yeah, I'm a Christian, whatever. But I don't live my life with God. I just live my life. So they, they kind of don't understand what it is to serve God. And we begin to tell them that. So taking, making the most of every opportunity is talking about God who's a friend. That's the part that, that they haven't quite understood yet. It says, let your speech always be with grace. So it's always kind. As though seasoned with salt, so that you will know how you should respond to each one. My problem as a preacher is sometimes I get too salty. And my wife kind of says, I think you might have said enough. Because I'll talk to someone who's a tiny bit open, and I'll say, and Proverbs says, and John says, and the Apostle Paul says, boom, 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 all this truth. And they're going, okay. <laughs> they're ready to explode because I'm giving them too much. How many have ever had uh, whatever you're eating, you know, your eggs, and you put a little salt on it? Ooh, that tastes good. Open the lid and pour the whole salt on, on it. That's what I do sometimes. You go, ooh, that's terrible. Ah, it's too salty. So you want to be just salty enough. Some people need a little salt. Some are ready for a little bit more. You know, like when you're eating Santa Maria barbecue, and they're putting a bunch of salt on it, but then some of it's falling into the fire, but it's going through the meat. You need a little bit more salt on that, and it's cooking in the meat. I love when I get to people who are meaty, and they need a lot of salt. So it's almost, it's almost as hard to share your faith with Muslims as it is now um, Spaniards. Because they, if you talk to Spaniards, your general, your general Spaniards, especially anyone 40 years old or younger, because the older were more traditional, went more to church, had more of a, an understanding of God. Uh, do you believe in God? No. Do you believe in life after death? No. Do you believe you're responsible for your actions? No. So that kind of puts you in a little bit of a corner, right? <laughs> they definitely are not believing in God, and God has no part in their life. So you're going with that understanding. You're saying, how much can I share? Well, our pastors invited us to the home of a man named Daniel. He's Brazilian, and he came to the Lord and was attending our church. He had been living with a Spaniard for seven years. But now that he's following the Lord, he's thinking, man, I should get married. I'd sure like God to be part of our life, but, you know, my wife, uh, my, my girlfriend, we've been together for seven years, and I don't know what to tell her. Maybe the pastors could come over. So our pastors went over, but they invited Darla and I too. 
So the pastors are speaking to him about scriptures and about the love of God and teaching him some truth. And Daniel's there too, eating a little bit. You should eat when you're preaching. Makes people happy. More receptive, just the right amount of salt. And I'm looking at Martha's eyes. Remember, go for the jugular. And if she's ready, she's ready. But I went, Martha, you're ready to receive Jesus right now. This is the first encounter. Normally they say it takes years, right, of building friendship. But God had been doing something in her boyfriend, Daniel. God was doing something through our prayers. And on the first, I said, you're ready. And she said, yeah. So I said, would you like to just pray with me and give your heart to Jesus? She said, yeah. She received the Lord. I've been asking the Lord, Lord, I want to receive, I want to reach people in North Africa, but let me at least win a few Spaniards. I mean, I love Latinos, and we're reaching Latinos like crazy. In Spain, our four-square church, the members are 95% Latinos. Praise the Lord. But also, we want to reach the Spaniards, right? They're not just a, a raw piece of meat there. we got to reach them too. They're more difficult. So then I'm looking at her mom, who's also living in the house, uh, this would-be mother-in-law, Mercedes, I said, but you want to receive the Lord too. So she bowed her head and she received the Lord. Two Spaniards in one day. That was a delightful day. But you're thinking, all right, yeah, they said yes. Sometimes they do that at crusades too. They're kind of happy. Well, the pastor said, we'll come by and we'll teach the Bible every week. Sure, come. They teach the Bible one week, two, three, four, to prove that this is a true conversion. Martha says to Daniel, I want to get married. They got married, now they're walking with the Lord. Praise Jesus. So that's where we're at with, with just being salty. I want to give you two examples of how you can naturally just get God in conversations. So you pray first, God, reveal that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. Show me the words to say, what not to say, how much I can say. Can I go for the jugular or do I just have to grab a pinky today? Each one according to what the Lord's doing, and he will tell you. And I can get God into every conversation, not because I'm brilliant, but God is part of everything I do. I go to work. Lord, help me in my conversations. I'm sick. God, heal me. I need finances. God, help me. I want to have a conversation with a friend who's difficult. Lord, would you help my conversation? This person's really difficult, so I learned to forgive. So listen to this. I'm going to give you two examples, one bad, one uh, good, and I can show you to get God in your conversation. So you're at work. I can't stand Rebecca. All she does is gossip. And then I respond, that is so hurtful, I know. People gossip, they say things that they shouldn't say. And what I've found, and when people gossip and it's about me, first thing I do is I just say, God, I forgive them because I want my heart to be right. And when I do that, something amazing happens. All of a sudden, even though I was the victim of gossip, I just get peace. Isn't that? So God does that. You can forgive people. And you get just as much benefit as the person you're forgiving. So now I've thrown God in there. The next day, I get God in a different conversation. So you're saying, yeah, it's easy to talk to God about bad circumstances, but what do we do for the good? So someone else is saying, I just, my essay got selected. It's going to be printed in the newspaper, and I earned $5,000. I did it. So I say, that is amazing. I've seen you talk. I've seen you write. You have incredible gifts that God has given you. God gives gifts to everyone. I, but I don't believe in God. But I do. And he, and he really gave you that gift. So it doesn't matter, bad, good, ugly, pretty. You can get God in the conversation because you just tell people what you believe. Do we believe that God wants to heal, save, help? And then that's all you have to say. 
And then you see where they're at. If they're really hard, you say, nothing more. And you go home and you pray. And you say, Lord, in our next conversation, show me something else. And the Lord will do it. So I want to talk a little about our, our work. So those are, those are natural conversations. Because a lot of times we hear people say, I don't share my faith too much because I don't know, I haven't memorized a lot of scriptures and I never went to Bible college. And are you saved? Yes. How did you receive, how did you get saved? Well, I received Jesus. Well, can you tell other people what you've done? <laughs> That's all you need to do. And can you talk about something that God's done in your life? Can you talk about maybe your errors and how God has healed you? That's all. And then little by little, you're praying because that's just the beginning step until God prepares their hearts to receive more. Some people get saved like Martha and Mercedes in one day, and you praise the Lord. Uh, you shouldn't feel too good about yourself because usually someone's been praying for those people for lots of years. They get the credit. When you get to heaven, you get a little gem, and they get the big one because they did all the prayer work, which is what we ask you to do when you're not going overseas. And when you pray for us, Veronica, uh, for Joel, for, for Charlie and Darla, you may pray a simple prayer. That's all God needs. Sometimes we think, I'm not a big intercessor. Well, I'm not an intercessor. Some people really, they'll pray for two or three hours straight. I pray for 15 minutes, maybe like a lot of you. And sometimes I'll have a cup of coffee. And Lord, I, I, I pray for, and I'm, oh, oh, wake up, Charlie. You're praying for someone now. But all you need to do is, Lord, Charlie and Darla came to our congregation. They talked about North Africa. Would you just open the hearts of the North Africans to Jesus? The Lord will use that prayer. And, and as a matter of fact, there's a place uh, in the Sermon on the Mount where, where Jesus says, uh, don't pray like the pagans, where it's repetition over and over and over and over and over. God doesn't need that. Sometimes he'll lead you in a deep intercession that will be extended, right? He'll give you insights and you pray. But other times it's just like Pastor Tim was saying, a declaration. You are God. You can save the people of North Africa. Do something special today, amen. And then Martha's heart opens. Mercedes' heart opens. Why? Because people have been praying. That's all it is. So you add that to your devotional time. If you think, I can't pray, pray for your family, your neighborhood, and God will do that. So our work, we've been appointed to supervise the work in this majority Muslim area of North Africa. So it's mostly Morocco, where we traveled many times, next door neighbors, Algerians, a little harder to work with. Tunisians, a little more friendly. Libyans, civil war, a little more difficult. <laughs> Egypt, open and closed. 10% of the population are Coptic, which means that they go all the way back to the time of the pharaohs. Coptics are people who still in the church only speak the Egyptian language sometimes when they read scripture. The, the Egyptian language has disappeared. Everyone in Egypt speaks Arabic since the time that the uh, the Arabians came across North Africa. So they all speak Arabic. And then below Egypt is Sudan. So Sudan is, is like North Africa and a little bit below. But the people that work below know that Sudan's hard. So they say, Charlie, you take Sudan too. They give us all the easy work. You might, you might get killed there. You might have prison ministry. So you take Sudan. All right. We took Sudan. Then they said, we don't really have too many people working in the Gulf. So you take the United Arab Emirates too. I'll take them too. So we go there. And the Lord is, is doing a work. But like I was saying, we want to recruit Latinos and others to go with us. And our job is to teach, to mentor, to give spiritual encouragement to the teams on the ground. My wife and I are right around 60 years old. 
when you're 60 years old and you've started uh, preaching since 1987, have a little bit of experience. Now we want to pour all our experience into the young people, 20s and 30s, 40s. Sometimes older people go as well, and they're learning the Arabic language. Well, since we live in Spain, we won't be learning a language. We'll just learn some conversational language. But they're the ones on the ground. So we visit Morocco. We visit Egypt. I go to the United Arab Emirates, and I do teaching on discipleship, how to start small groups, how to share your faith simply, <laughs> all these things. And then I encourage them, and, and I've been through a lot, so I know how they can overcome different conflicts in the church. And, and so that's our job. Our job is coaching, mentoring, uh, kind of like Jesus to the 12 disciples. Uh, he says, okay, I'm doing the healing, and I'm casting out demons, but now I'm sending you out two by two. Okay, I will. And then when you come back and things didn't go so well, I'll tell you. Yeah, well, we tried to cast out this one demon, but it, like it didn't want to come out. Uh, those kind only come out by prayer and fasting. If you notice me, I'm kind of thin. I fast a lot, pray a lot. I'm usually up the first and I go to bed the last. That's me, Jesus, you know. So that's the way you get those strong demons out. Wow, that's a commitment. Yeah, it is. <laughs> so the Lord helps and we kind of coach them along the way. Um, the interesting thing is that you can have churches in all these Arab countries, all these Muslim countries, as long as they're among foreigners. No problem. All the foreigners can be in their little building and they can have their little worship. But don't ever share the gospel with someone who on their birth certificate says born Muslim because that is illegal. But uh, for our work in Morocco, we teach them how to start small little groups in homes. So it has to be private. It has to be small. Uh, in Egypt, you can do bigger things among the 10% who are Coptic believers. Unfortunately, uh, a huge amount of that 10%, so uh, Egypt is 100 million people, so 10 million are Christian on their birth certificate. And out of that, if there's even 5 or 10% of those who are born again, that's a lot. Just super traditional. But they say, I'm Christian. Uh, so that's a big work we can do. But among those who are on their birth certificate, it says Christian, you can rent facilities like this, and they can be there. But you can't have one who on their birth certificate says Muslim join that group. Or they'll shut the whole thing down because you've broken the law. So those who, whose birth certificate says that they're born Muslim, those are the ones who need to meet a little more in homes. And so then when we go to places like the United Arab Emirates, listen to this, which I didn't even know until they sent me the first time, 89%, and it'll soon be 90%, of the whole population are foreigners. You got this 10% of very wealthy oil people, and they need lots of servants, so there's nine servants for every one of them. Tons of people coming in doing their building, their agriculture, they're cleaning their houses, and then they are little princes and princesses with all the money. And they invite people to come to work. And if you're not working, they send you back home. You can only go there to work. But in anything. And so that's why, that's why we have lots of workers there. It, it, that country is a little bit more than Morocco. Morocco's 36 million people. And uh, most of them are all Moroccans. And they don't want you going there to work. Because you might be taking the job of a Moroccan. The United Arab Emirates is completely the opposite. They want maids. They want people in construction. They want lawyers. They want everything. So that's a good place for people to go who feel a call because you can go there and work. And they'll give you a visa to work. And then you can share your faith like salt. 
So what do we have there? We have two churches. Some of them were already believers from Sri Lankan Foursquare. So we have two Sri Lankan churches, and they meet publicly. We have one Pakistani church, which means that there's no problem with someone from Pakistan who's Muslim. Then they come to United Arab Emirates. They can actually go to a Christian church because they're not a national. That's, the, that's the, 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 the interesting thing. You can reach Moroccans in Egypt, and you can reach Egyptians in Morocco, but you can't reach them in their country legally. So we have these churches growing among people who are foreigners, and it's completely legal. And then we do the underground work that's a little more illegal because we want to reach them too. And, and you can't tell God that he's not allowed to reach someone because there's a little law written on the paper that it's illegal. We do that too, but we do it quietly yes. and wisely. So that's what we do when we go there. And then also we have a, a Filipino church in the United Arab Emirates and Nigerian. So I go and I do leadership development among them. Know why they cannot um, leave what their birth certificate says? Now, you can. If your birth certificate says you're Christian and you want to become Muslim, oh, come. That's not against the law. It's only you can't go the other way because uh, the Muslims, they believe according to three teachings, and they're all of equal authority practically. The Quran and then the Hadith is all the traditions of everything that, that Muhammad did and everything he said because he is the perfect believer according to the Quran. 83 times, follow Muhammad, he's perfect. I won't go into details. So one of the things he said was, whoever changes his religion from Islam, kill him. So that's why it's very difficult to reach them. There's a little bit of fear when they change. And a lot of times we have strategic ways of them changing, yet not changing. One is, I am a Muslim who follows Jesus. Muslim means submitted to God. I have no problem with that. I'm a Muslim follower of Jesus Christ. And then they begin to share their faith. Um, winning them to the Lord is half the battle. They are a very tightly knit community. They eat together. They talk together. Everything. They, they fast for a whole month together in Ramadan. And if anyone who has Muslim on their birth certificate were to eat during the daylight hours, that would be total shame and outcast. So even if you are a Muslim follower of Jesus, eat at nighttime, we would recommend then you won't get into trouble and you can still share your faith. So what we're doing in that circumstance, we're trying to start a movement like in China. They have tons of churches that meet in homes. They're not really registered with the government. And uh, that's been uh, expanding so rapidly that some people say now in China there's 150 million believers, which is the biggest population of believers of any country in the world. So we want to see that happen in our part of the world too. It all happens step by step. So what do we do with all these interesting comments I'm making? I'll tell you. Thanks for asking. <clears throat> the first thing is about you and me. Be alert. Okay, Lord, what can I say? And be salty. Just enough. Share your faith with people naturally. Just get God in the conversation. Just get God in the conversation. He'll show you when to do that and how not to do that. And then <clears throat> pray regularly. And simply for locals, your local re outreach here, um, and believe that God's going to use you. And it takes time. And then when you pray for us, just bless the work in the, in the Muslim world. And God's going to bring a lot of people into the kingdom. And then all nations will glorify the Lord, bow their knees, and Jesus will come. 
When's that going to happen? I don't know. May not be in my lifetime. <laughs> and then joyfully and monthly, we, we give to the church here because this is where you live. Probably the majority of all that you give and do is going to be right here. But then you're also giving to reach the world because God says, make disciples of all nations. So you participate, however he puts that on your heart. But do that in a systematic monthly way. Give to your church every month, you know, whatever the Lord puts on your heart. You're just faithfully doing that and believing that God's going to provide for you. That's why we can give. And then maybe God's calling a few of you. So if he's calling a few of you, then just say, here I am, Lord, send me. Amen. So let me pray. Lord, thank you for the great Santa Maria Church. Why are they great? Because in Christ, you've made us new, create, new creations, and now we're able to do things that we could never do before. So, Lord, we give you our hearts, we give you our lives, and we say accomplish your goodwill here in Santa Maria, in North Africa, in Mexico, and around the world. And, Lord, for anyone who needs to receive Jesus today, I pray that you would just enter into their hearts, forgive them their sins. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, Lord. Where are you going, Charlie? Hey, I want to just, before we, before we uh, say adios today adios. to our friends, um, you mentioned a couple of times that God had put it on your heart to um, work with Latinos in North African Muslim population areas. What's the deal with that? Why, why might Latinos have a, a good opportunity to work with missions in Muslim Latinos have a very similar culture to Muslims and many overlaps. Not exactly, but a lot of overlap. The, uh, the Arabs came across North Africa, took over all of North Africa, went into Spain and took over Spain for 800 years. There's tons of words from Arabic that are now in the Spanish language, vice versa. They eat together. They're hospitable. They love to, uh, they love to spend time. They're quiet. They have the same phrases. Why do today what you can wait to do tomorrow? I mean, I can do it tomorrow. Why have to do it today? They, they're relaxed. And when we've had mixed teams to Morocco, half Latino and half white Americans, Latinos build friendships through sign language and everything. Yeah, I'll have another date, have a piece of bread. Sure, I'll have more tea. <laughs> and they just are, the, 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 the culture is so similar. So culture is similar. Appearance is quite similar as well, right? Yeah, they don't you know see, the difference. You and I show up yeah, in an Arabic yeah. country and uh, we, we stand out. Yeah. A Latino goes into an Arabic country. They don't even know they're Latino. That's right, till they talk. There you go. <laughs> but so appearance and then also passports right. is a big deal. Yeah. Sometimes it's harder as someone from the United States to go into a Muslim mm -hmm. uh, predominant population area, wherein someone from the Dominican Republic, from Mexico, from other places can get into these areas more readily. That's correct. And so for all of these reasons, um, I think this is strategic and it's important. And so as you pray for North Africa and as you pray for Charlie and Darling, God reminds you of them, pray also for Latinos to be released, to be part of this mission work around the world. And maybe even some Latinos from Santa Maria. Amen. Uh, that would be, I think, an incredible thing. Why has God brought so many Latinos to our area. Could it be possible that this is not their final destination, but only a place where maybe they would get trained, they would come to Jesus, and literally that they would have God imprint something on their heart that they would start to see the world through eyes like Charlie and Darla have 
let's go reach the world together. Amen. 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 Praise the Lord. Hey, I'm going to invite our, our ministry team to come on up. Listen, do not leave today with a need in your heart or something that you want to see resolved. Maybe some of you have come with places of brokenness or need or just a desire in your heart for God to do something greater in your own story. And we've got people up here who would love to pray with you. So don't leave before you take an opportunity to receive prayer and ministry. Church, your love. Next week, I promise that we're going to finish our series about Up and to the Right. That's next Sunday. Look forward to seeing you then for the church picnic. Love you. Bye-bye.